You're listening to The Only Constant, where we explore how minor change brings lasting hope. On this episode of the podcast, we spoke with Kenisa Ragland. Kenisa is earning her MFA in film production from Florida State University. She's always been a high achiever throughout her education, and this is a trait that she feels was shaped and solidified by her grandmother. She would take Kenisa and her siblings on quote-unquote field trips to museums and other historical sites in Atlanta. However, beyond a passion for learning, Kenisa's upbringing taught her the importance of love. In her words, if you really want to do something, you can. When you can't do something, it's because you don't think you can. In other words, when love is at the center of your intentions, anything is possible. Kenisa uses this philosophy in her filmmaking journey and her personal life. Besides helping her create honest and heartfelt films, setting love as an active intention allows her to be open and vulnerable with others. As a film director, she realizes that the best directors are only the best because of the people they work with. Whether it be in film or life, Kanisa leads with love. Stay open, stay active, and keep listening. Hello and good morning, my friend. Hello. <laughs> Episode 25. Yay. I'm very excited. So am I. Um, let's start with your name and your preferred pronouns. Okay, my name is Kanisa Ragland. She, her, are my pronouns. Okay, and then your major. And I know you're in the MFA program, yes, so before that as well. Okay, so um, in my undergrad at St. John's, I was a sociology major. And then now I am a second year MFA student at the film school. Dang. Okay, yes. and... I mean, what what other things are you interested in? And then I want to touch, of course, on all of those things later yes. on. But um, politics, when it's not like you know, I don't know, like I, because I don't want to say politics and it mean what everybody means it means. But I just like, um, I guess more history, like political history, than not really okay. like politics itself. Uh, all art, I'm like really interested in songwriting. Um, I was trying to learn how to play the piano last year, so like music and different things like that. Mm-hmm. I'm actually really into weightlifting. I'm starting to get more and more into it right now. So, um, nice. yes, I really like, like, uh, the science of it and crafting your body and, like, the things it takes to, like, actually do, you mm-hmm. know, like, everything that it, it actually requires is, like, because I went into it thinking, oh, this is just, you just go in the gym, lift these things, and it's like, no, it's more than that. And it's fun. <laughs> it takes my mind off of thinking about film all the time because I can start obsessing over it a little bit. So, uh, Sweet. Yeah, those are, like, the main... The main things. Okay. Well, then you already got back to film at the end of that sentence. So yes. I guess, how did you get into it? Because you are really good at what you do. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, what did I... In high school, I fell in love with... Uh, these are such bad... It's not bad, but like One Tree Hill and like certain TV shows. Like I always loved TV and movies because I was um, at home a lot because my mom and them were working. But I always loved them. And then in high school is when I actually thought I could do it because of like Shonda Rhimes. I was like, oh, people, like I can do this. Like people actually do this. Because in my head, I never had a concept of a director or writer. I thought, oh, mm. people just make stuff and it just happens. Like I don't really know how it actually yeah. like, There's not actually like a whole team going behind this. When I learned there was, I was like, oh, I can do that. But um, I think out of a little bit of fear and precaution just trying to be safe I majored in sociology when I was an undergrad just so I would have like some kind of backup or some kind of like you know oh, I can go teach this after or oh, I can go be like a like a journalist or something for a little while or something mm. like that so um I ended up doing that uh did you did you actually work for a few years or did you just yeah yeah well okay. not in film nothing in film well I worked at Fox News for a semester there, which, yeah. uh, yeah, no way. That's crazy. We're going to talk about that. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was a funny time. It was very interesting. How old are you? 
I'm 20. I'll be 25 this year. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. So I was just curious. I so don't you, think. Yeah. You'd been in the workforce for a little bit. Not really. Like that's the thing. I was writing at my school. Like we had to get um, permission to take classes. So I only got to take a few film classes because I didn't have much room for them. And then I tried to make a whole web series with my friends one time. We wrote like a whole mm-hmm. like script series, Bible, blah, blah, blah. Tried to shoot it. We actually shot the first episode, never went anywhere. But we all had the experience of like trying that. But that was the only real thing. I mean, other than that, I was just writing my own stuff um, and looking into what film schools I wanted to go to. Because I knew I wanted, school is like, school doesn't work for everybody, but school is something that really does work for me. So I was like, I need to go to film school mm. like after this. So was it immediately following undergrad that yes. you wanted? Okay, yeah, so you like, knew no, that. Yeah, I was like, no work break, like in between, no break in between. I just want to go straight to film school right after. Dang, cool. Yeah. Okay, and then the drive for that was just your need to create, you think? Yeah, like, I'm, like, I tell Amanda, too, all the time. I really think that, like, and I know this sounds like the thing that people say or it sounds like I'm being, like, counterintuitive, but I think if you really want to do something, you can. And then when you can't do something, it's because you don't actually want it and you want it for, like, every other reason than you should. Mm. And, like, I actually really want to do this. So I was like, okay, then I have to do the things that, you know. And I would look at, I would always Wikipedia and Google other people's journeys and look and, like, oh, that wouldn't really work for me trying to go straight into work or, oh, it wouldn't really work for me to just try to make my own stuff yet. I was like, oh, this will work for me because I've seen so many people like do some random undergrad and then go to film school and then go into the industry. And I was like, that Mm. seems like that would track for me. Okay. And then what was, what did you use to get into the program? Because I know there's some sort of like preliminary, there's like interviews or something. Yeah, it was a scary process, but it was also... uh, I'm not going to lie. I really knew I had it. Like, I mean, I was scared. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I was really scared throughout the whole process, but I, was, I felt really confident. And even, like, after my interview, my friend had drove me down here um, for it. And then we went out to eat after and celebrated because I was like, I know I got it. Like, I know it. And then it came, like, <laughs> it came, like two weeks later. But nice. it was because we I had, I had, like, worked on the materials for so long because they were short stuff, like a two-page script, like, from a prompt and, like, a three-page something from a prompt your statement of purpose, and, like, because I, mind you, I submitted for the writing program, so it wasn't the film program, because I also had no experience, like, directing or holding a camera and doing oh, all okay. that you stuff. You didn't have so, a reel. No, I didn't have any of that, not even a little. So I was like, oh, I'll just do the writing program. I like writing a lot. Well, you're a good writer. Thank you, thank that you, thank you, thank you. So, yeah, <laughs> did all of that, um, but I worked on all that for months before, so I was like, okay. Like, I had professors read over the statement of purpose. Like, I rewrote that, like, 20 times rewrote the little even the two-page little scripts like over and over like kept having people read it so I was like I'm gonna these are gonna be perfect like they're not gonna be less than like what I think um, Mm. other people have gotten in with so okay so you said something earlier that I find really interesting school isn't for everybody Mm -hmm. but school works for you yes can you talk about that a little bit like why does it work for you so well and what mm-hmm. what about school mm-hmm. uh, is good for, is good for you yeah is it the structure what I think it's it? the structure I'm like um, and I think about that often like and I wonder why because like I have a lot of friends who it hasn't worked for um, and then like my nieces and nephews even trying to encourage them like I don't want them to go just because like mm-hmm. and stuff like that so I'm trying to think about why it's worked for me and I like I can't say when it started but like as a kid Loved it. Like, it was my favorite place. And it might have been because I felt, I don't want to say more powerful, but, like, more in control and more at ease when I was at school than, like, necessarily, like, if I were to just stay home, like, and would have been with my... Because really? nobody was home. I mean, like, not nobody was home. My mom was working all the time. And even when my grandma, she watched us, she made things feel like school. So we took field trips with her. She bought workbooks, oh, like, really? during the summer. Yeah, wow. it was no, like, we were just playing outside. It was like, we we're going to still do, like, schoolwork, and then you can go play. And so she had a real structured wow. kind of, like... 
aftercare for us too. So it was like I liked I don't I like I guess now my mind is like I like the structure. Like we go do this at this time, we go do this at this time. I'm ex- this is expected of me and I can do this because it's expected of me and so it's kind of part of your Yeah, now yeah, I'm what, really What were those like field trips? Cuz they weren't like it was no, just your they, grandma taking you yeah, and your, yeah. your cousins or your siblings? Me, or? my sister, who's two years younger than me. And then my nephew is actually, it's like funny, um, my nephew is actually the same age as my sister. So my mom oh, had yeah, yeah, like yeah, my yeah. sister when my uh-huh. brother had uh, his son, but like it was us three mostly. And she would take us to, we're from Atlanta, so she would take us to Martin Luther King's house. She'd take us to like the museum down there, to Fernbank, to Six Flags. Then, you know, those are the big ones. But then other days she would just take us to like, um to Walmart and like made sure that we pick we all picked out a toy but we also picked out something that was like kind of instructional or she'd take us to the park she was like really active in the community with church and other stuff so every Thursday I forget like a lot of time that we used to do this but it was a real part of my childhood where every Thursday her and the other women from the church would go to a nursing home and sing to the people and feed them and stuff and we went like we sang to them and feed them with my grandma that's so and then she'd nice. take us to McDonald's after it was like every Thursday without that's awesome that's a great grandma yeah that's seriously my that's my girl oh my gosh yeah. so you've had these educational structures well positive educational yes, structures yes, 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 yes. for a while now yeah so did you find that you were still interested in education during your middle school and high school years until you got to, okay, because. I was a nerd. Like, people, like, knew that I, I cried. Like, I got my, I had all A's my whole life, and I got my first, like, B or C in middle school, and I cried on the bus. Like, I didn't care that people saw me cry. I, I think because I just had, I was, yeah, and it's like, this is the little psychological stuff that I try to think <laughs> about, but, like, I was an overachiever, and it was, like, I think what, you know, really made my mom, like, proud of me or, like, made people, like, proud of me and, like, what I would get, like, you know, emotional responses to was when I achieved. So when I achieved and I came mm. home and I showed that I achieved, it was like, you know, big deal. And I, I get all this attention. And I am like a, you know, a person. I'm like a Leo. I'm like all these other things. So I do need attention. It was like <laughs> nice to get the attention of like, that's how I knew I would get attention. Yeah. Or like I didn't want the, the adverse attention of like getting in trouble. Because when I did, I didn't get in trouble a lot either as a kid. But when I did... It was from it was just from talking too much. Like, you know, I was really like I feel that talkative. But then when I got in trouble <laughs> from that, I'd be so like the attention you get from that is not as like fun. Like my mom is like, I'm disappointed in you. And like you can feel her <laughs> disappointment. I used to yep. hate that. So I would be like, Okay, instead of disappointment, I'll play all these sports and do well. I'll get all my all A's and like do well and like avoid getting like that little note of being too talkative. So yeah. So see so, so go ahead. You were going to say sports? I was going to say, so structure okay. is a really big thing in your life. I yeah. guess I was going to ask about sports. Yeah, you played sports too. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> for a little while. I mean, yeah, I played basketball. I played softball for a while, and then I had to choose between the two because, you know, sports are too expensive, like, to pay for both, like, kind of programs. So I chose basketball, and I played from sixth grade to, like, uh, ninth grade. Ninth grade actually wasn't my choice. I, ninth grade was when I knew I didn't want to play anymore. But um, <laughs> it's so funny because it's like, I don't know how this happened. I really got to where it got to. But I quit. We moved to a new town, a town I didn't like. Um, and I was just playing basketball with the boys during PE because like, I like playing, like, you know, recreationally. Nothing more than that. And the coach, like, it was a new school, so the coach was trying to build the team. And so he saw me playing with the boys and was like, oh, you missed tryouts. I was like, no, I didn't come. Like, I don't want to play. I don't want to play. I kept telling him that. He's like, no, please, please. Like, and I wasn't that good, mind you. I'm not trying to say, like, oh, he saw me and it was like, he saw, like, the like, prodigy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he did. That's not what it was. He was desperate. He saw me and I was okay. And he was like, please, please come do it. And, like, 
again, I like structure. So I was like, okay, am I going to stay home after school with nothing really, like, that much to do? Or am I going to just go ahead and play? Mm-hmm. And again, I knew my mom would be happy because, like, she wasn't so happy that I quit anyway because her family, like, her and her brothers all play basketball. Mm-hmm. So she was happy and she was willing to start playing the money. Like, as soon as I told her, she's like, please play, please play. So I played. Mm-hmm. But then after ninth grade, I was like, no. Like, because I knew I was, that's when I was starting to get into more uh, of, like, the intellectual and creative stuff that I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't, I didn't want to try to split my time up between the both. So now that you talk about structure, um, it's making me think about, I would say, and I'm sure that this is arguable, but I would say filmmaking is one of the most structured art forms out there. Do you think that has to do with why you're interested in film or is it completely unrelated? Like you were into those shows. I think, I think it's a little bit of both. Like, um, cause I think all... In a way, I think, yeah, I do think all art forms have structure, and I like that about them, right. but then I like the fact that it gives you permission to step outside of that structure sometimes and know that you can do both. Because I'm, I'm not very comfortable with stepping outside of structure. And even when um, I'm writing my stuff, you know, I'm all for the act one, act two, act three. I was about and to like, say, that, yeah. that, that, Like, I am for it. But then as soon as I try to do that, you realize that that doesn't always work and that, you know, you have to, like, just move things around a little bit. You don't have to, like... Mm-hmm completely change things. And even the ones that people say are like completely non-structure or not traditional structure, there's some structure in there. Even if it's not the one that we're used to, like people are making new structures. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, songs that sound like, oh, this sounds so different than anything we've heard. It's like, yes, but no. Because the only way you can start to sound, you know, different or do it a little differently is because you knew the original The only way to break the rules is to to know the rules. Yes, and so that's Mm -hmm. that's the thing I like, is doing like following the rules, and then being like, okay, this rule doesn't work here, so I'm gonna break it and do whatever I want. Right. Yeah. Mm. Right. So I wonder, so what has been your experience so far with the film school? Because obviously you got into it, you knew you had it. (laughs) (laughs) So what happened when you actually got into it? What was the curriculum like? And I guess if you can, as you're talking about it, some of the key things that you've learned. See, I was in the writing program first, and that structure did not work for me. Okay. It was, um. The first semester is the same for everybody, writing and production students. We do what we do. Um, and then, excuse me, second semester, the writing students go to London, and they just write. And I thought, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love this. This is going to be great. I get to be alone. I'm also kind of reclusive sometimes, and I get to just write. Hated it. Worst time of my life. Like, I was <laughs> so, like, and I mean, it had to do with that I was also in, a, in another country, no family. no Like, my friends were just the people I knew, and we were all busy because we had, we had deadlines, like, to write a feature and stuff like that. So, um... Yeah, I hated that. Like, it really was not for me. And I, I'm not the kind of person, like I said, too, like, I dropped out. Like, I hold, like, and I'm not the kind of person to do that. I was like, I would do it if I needed to, but it's not, in my head, it was never like, oh, I would need to do that, but I needed to. So I dropped out um, because they wouldn't let me just switch. It wasn't like, oh, just switch to the production side. They were like, you have to start all over. And I was like, I've already paid money, and I've already done a whole year of this. I'm not... I'm not doing that. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm yeah. like, no, I'll just, you know, I'm, I'm from Atlanta. I'll just go work. But again, like, as soon as I started thinking about that, I'm like, I'm not ready to do that yet. And I came to school for a reason. And I came to, like, you know, get the structure or whatever. So I reached back out. Because my deans were really, like, the people who were, my professors and deans were really, like, trying to get me to stay. They are like, can we, is there any way we can change your mind? Like, what can we do? And I was like, no. Then I reached back out and I was like, you know what? I'll start over. And they were like, okay, but we have to put you on the wait list. And I was like, okay, if it happens, if I get it, that means I was supposed to go. If I don't get it, then I'll just go figure something else out. I got it, like, the next week. So I was like, okay, I have to start all over. So I started all over. But um, best thing I ever did. Like, literally, I've learned so much about being um, 
like like we like how we said I had no real now I have a real like you know like just and things I'm proud of like things I've learned like I can see my like progression from AWOL which was my first film to what I'm about to do in my thesis like I know how much I've learned just from you know being in a classroom and going to these certain classes and the structure of like weekend projects like having to mm. learn stuff all week and then make something the weekend then learn stuff all week then make something like that back and forth or like learn stuff for a whole semester and not make anything just hold off because you're learning so much and then make something all summer mm. it's like that that works so well for me because now I can see I can track my own which I also like to do I like to track my progress so I got to track my progress and be like okay this is working I'm actually learning and so you know, yeah, this is the best thing I ever did. And then I also say that, like, if I hadn't started over, I wouldn't have met Amanda. Mm. Because um, I would have just graduated and, like, left and been gone. But because I had to start over, I had to do D1s again. And then she was, that was her first semester taking the TV, like, the film class. And then she was in my D1. She so was like, like, hey. Like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> she was, uh, we both were. I think we both were at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> you know you were. <laughs> we don't talk about that. <laughs> no, but... Yeah, that's I like. I literally knew it was the right thing to do. Like I had to do it. So and now I'm about to graduate. Finally, no <laughs> now I actually am ready to be done with school though, because I think it served its purpose for me. Like my brother got his PhD, so he went to school for yeah years. But that's not me. Like, that's I'm like not, eight years or something. Yes, Dang, <laughs> and dude. so I'm not. But that's not because my mom and them keep out. Oh, are you gonna go get? I'm like no, I don't need a PhD to make films. I could, but I'm not. You know, I'm not gonna do that. So now I finally get to be done. And what's your plan next? Atlanta again or New York? Oh, New York. Everybody's going Everybody's to New York, going to New York man. It's like I was trying to decide because I'm from Atlanta. Atlanta's booming, like it's growing a lot. Um, LA is the obvious place because everybody like LA has always been there. It's the home of like Hollywood. Um, and then I went to school in New York, so and I love when I went there. I fell in love. Like I literally, I yeah. have the Georgia. I have the peach and the apple. Like everybody thinks it's just the peach, but it's both because like it's cool. New York and Georgia really both of them raised me equally, even though I was only there for like four years. So whoa. Yeah, I was trying. Yeah, wow. I really did. I learned so like four years in New York is a long time. Yeah, I learned <laughs> so much. Like, and you know, college too. Be, that being the place where I went to college makes it even more. But I was trying to decide between the three, and then I went and talked to one of our advisors a couple months ago, and I told her that, and she's like, "No, you need to decide now." Like, because right now it sounds like you're just being open to wherever, and you're not going to go where you actually want. Like, where do you actually mm. want to go? And when she asked me that, like the first thing that popped in my head was New York. Like, there is no other. Mm. That's my place. Like. Dang, that must be nice though. It's comforting, just oh, like yeah. to already have that decision made. You're like, yeah, no, yeah. I'm doing it. Because <laughs> I stayed there for a summer when I had no campus housing, no campus meal plan. I was just like, I'm gonna see how I can do staying there for. Now I think back on it, I'm like, what the? Because f- I was only working at Michaels and Walking Dogs, but I found some way to like, you know, pay rent. Pay rent, and I mean it was cheap rent. I found somewhere for dirt, like for nothing. It was like 500 a month, so that's like in New York, yeah, it's like nothing. But I found somewhere. Wow. And, um, you know, just, like, everybody says it's expensive, but if you look around, you can make New York work. Like, things are, you can find free things, and you can find, I mean, it's the dollar slices. It's the, like, finding, like, little deals on, like, little meals or food that people are doing. So I just had to Mm. be resourceful. And I think that, uh, I'm not going to speak for Kayla, but I've thought about New York. I have friends there, Mm -hmm. and this is, I just, I like that you said that. And it's one of those things where I'm like, man. I've been to New York plenty of times. Mm-hmm. My family's from New York. Oh. So, like, I, I, I feel a connection to New mm-hmm. York every time I go. Yeah. But sometimes the idea of living in New York City to me is, like, oh, God, I think yeah. I would go crazy. <laughs> not, you can it, speak for and, me and, if you and, want. And it's, it's not even, I mean, like, I can deal with cities and I can <laughs> deal with, like, it's just, like, like that's the thing that I don't know if I have the motivation for. Mm-hmm. I'd rather go to a city and be, like, okay, I've looked into everything. I know how to make it yeah, yeah, which yeah. I guess is what you're saying, but, but you know what I mean. It's like yeah, in New yeah, York, yeah. you got to struggle for. No, a yeah, you bit. do. 
everybody everybody is like you, know? you look around and you really realize everybody is trying to figure something out like until yeah. they're not like until they're okay and then but that's like that took a little while like it takes people a, a long little time to get there I'm mm-hmm. sure New York is freaking inspiring to be oh, walking definitely. around and I mean, I know it is. I've walked around it. Yeah. Where, where's your family from? My family's actually, well, my, my, it's supposed to be my dad's side. My okay. mom's side is from New Jersey, but my okay. dad's side's from Long Island. Nice. But my grandfather and my grandmother on my dad's side were, my, my grandfather was born in the Bronx. Okay. Grandmother was born in Brooklyn. So, like, there is, like, strong familial yes. ties to the city. Mm. Yes. Like, New York pizza is the best pizza. Just you just say. named, like, all the places I know of New York. I'm dead. Long Island, Bronx, and what was the Brooklyn. other Brooklyn. Brooklyn. That's, yeah. Queens. Those are the oh, Queens. Manhattan, Staten Island. Manhattan. Okay, jeez. If I moved to New York, I could just, I would assimilate within the first day. But I could see Ted, hands in pockets, just... Yeah. Oh, I know I can do it. I know <laughs> I can do it. What would you want to do though? Like, what's um? Because are you guys into radio or podcasting? Like, as like long term, yeah. or is it just we've talked about? Yeah, because radio up in New York would be. Well, I know it's big up there. Yeah. And I mean, look, we're not gonna have this full conversation. <laughs> uh, it looks like you already have. But, I mean, we we've talked about it. Um, and I'll just say like we've we've considered Atlanta more. Because I think there is a really good, I mean, iHeartRadio is in Atlanta, mm-hmm. right? And they're a huge podcasting conglomerate. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there's a few other ones there. Um, not that we're, like, going to go there and instantly join that. But mm-hmm. it's just, there's opportunity, I think, in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And I've been to both cities, New York, more times than Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, I was going to ask you. I would love to hear about Atlanta from your perspective since you lived there. And I feel like it's a city that people hear about a lot, mm-hmm. uh, but maybe don't quite understand because New York has the reputation of, you know, arts, artsyville. Mm-hmm. And then LA has the reputation of Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And now Atlanta, everybody knows it's on this film map and they probably mm-hmm. think about Marvel and, you know, cause that's mm-hmm. where they're filmed yeah, now. Yeah. A lot of them are filmed now, mm-hmm. but you know, and maybe as a film major, you have some perspective on it, too. What is Atlanta like as a city? I mean, is it is it really booming with the arts? Has it always been that way? Is it not that way? You know? I think the stuff, like, I will say, too, though, I grew up around metro Atlanta, so not the city city, but the okay. it's, like, the same thing because, like, the area. yeah, you have to go there because there's not much to do in the little towns that you grow up in. But hmm. I think um, I would say it might have more of, like, the historical and like political stuff just because of um martin luther king and like you know jimmy carter and different like different politics and like civil rights movement um historical things that have gone on there um and it is like the black capital so there's like a lot of black history um Mm. within it um and i i did hear an interesting fact that a lot of people who live in the city mm -hmm. like in atlanta weren't actually I don't know if this is true but they weren't really born there yeah, a lot no, of people getting, in it's Atlanta very, it's are just very gentrified like it's becoming very and not and oh. I don't yeah and in a bad way because I think I'm not I've started to think about this more about like gentrification and just people moving because you know I can't say like that I'm mad at gentrification at the same time that I'm a person who doesn't really not doesn't believe in borders but believes that this is all like very arbitrary and that we're like you know all humans and citizens of the same planet and our ability to move like throughout it should be a little more easy than we all give each other like you know grace for so it's hard to say both but at the same time it's like 
there's a difference in everybody freely moving and everybody like and certain people being able to come freely move and like make more of a life here than other people have who have been here forever and also potentially uh step on history yeah and that's the thing that's like because i think that's what that's what atlanta might have more it's like i think we're really prideful about our history sports history politics like Go Civil Braves, rights moving dude. again. I'm yes. not a Braves fan. But I went crazy. I was so drunk at World of Beer. I, mean, <laughs> yeah, I was like that because it's like you've been waiting a lot. My mom moved there when they first won. So yeah, it's dude, like I'm that's a Raise like fan, so I'm still oh, waiting. <laughs> We're not keep on waiting too. That. We're not gonna talk about that. We got Braves and dogs because we just won the other oh day God, too. Oh my God! Yeah, We're Georgia. Doing okay. We're doing all right. We're just having a good saying? a good year. Yeah, so sports. Um, but I think uh, if anything else too that. The all this like the small towns outside of like Atlanta make it too because like it's like a thing where you live there but come to the city. I think it's somewhere where you can go and leave. Like whereas like, yeah, people like might just better. live in like Atlanta. So I mean in New York we lived in like you guys won't know them, but it's like if you look on a map, that's what this is what I mean. Like they're all like forty minutes, forty five minute radius from Atlanta. So like I lived in Conyer, like Covington, Gwinnett, DeKalb. Um, my mom right now lives in Henry County, so that's where I go home to. And then um, um, you got Decatur, Kennesaw, Marietta, Decatur. We so I've lived like Thonia. We've lived all around there, and it's like you stay around there with your small towns and like your southern hospitality and everything else. And then you go into the city. And then when you want to mm. leave, you leave. And it's like I've never like uh, lived in the city, city. And now that it's looking a little like more different than it did when I was a kid, I don't know how much I would like enjoy that. And I will say too that I think the film industry isn't just in the city like it's more it really is more in the suburbs like um and in the little outskirted towns of like georgia itself because um barry jenkins actually like filmed underground in covington which is where i went to high school so and i almost got to work on the set like i was very close to because i mentioned i messaged like one of my professors i was like i know this is weird but please like he's literally working in my hometown i feel like that kind of like you know makes this a little easier than if i'm just asking randomly and i'm going home for break and she gave me his assistant's number then his assistant's like oh we're in like not working through the winter so it was just like that type of thing but he filmed mm. all in Covington because like it's beautiful like it looks and it gives you like if you're filming historical stuff like yeah that's what George you need like great. yeah it's very beautiful and mm. then Stranger Things is filmed there like when I went oh, on a hike really? with my friends yeah we went and then we saw the sign like telling us not to go over this way but it's where they shot some of the plant stuff I think like some of the um like in the whatever it's called the the, yeah. the upside down yes yeah, like or the no the um the facility where the upside down would have been like uh like the scientist the, Yeah, that. Like, there was some oh. stuff over there. So. I haven't seen Stranger Things. Oh, it's there so good. Such, oh, I know. It's very nostalgic. I'll give it that. I'm it's a good. lover for nostalgic. So, like, it's that's... very 80s. Yeah, mm. it's very that. Um, and the Tyler Perry Studios don't, I will say right now, you know, and this might, like, now forever be out there, but I don't really care for Tyler Perry's, like, content. <laughs> I feel like I can say that and he can be okay with it because it's like, you know, we everybody doesn't like everybody. Everybody's you know not for everybody. If Tyler Perry listens to our podcast, <laughs> I'm about it. Yeah, I'm not going to be upset either <laughs> that's way. That's what I'm saying. I don't love his stuff, but I love, like, you know, um, he like, there's so many jobs because of Tyler Perry Studios and, like, because of, like, all the work that he's given people in Atlanta and around Atlanta, like, and feeding people and making sure that they have somewhere to just to go do work. And the fact that, I mean, again, like, it's the merging of historical with artistic because um, he built his um, studios on top of where Confederate, like, um, base was. Huh. So it's just, like, that That's history. Cool. Yeah, it's, like, a long... And now you have all these black people and people of color and, like, white people working together on, like, these these stories, like, these stories centered around, like, mm. blackness or women and different things that, like, on, a, like, a plot of land where, you know, only the un unimaginable happened. So it's, like, I think... Yeah, I think the mm. art and, like, history merge really well together for Atlanta, so... 
Dang. Yeah. Well, okay. I like Atlanta. Atlanta <laughs> Personally. Very, Atlanta, I just wrote today in my, like, I journal every morning, like, because, uh, um, uh, what's her name? I forget her name right now. Julia something. She Julia has a Cameron. Called, yeah, has the artist, the artist so I'm way. doing my morning pages. Yeah, I'm doing my morning pages. Oh, yeah, dude. She's so, it's like, that book changed my life, but I'm doing my morning pages, and I just wrote this morning, because one of my intentions and manifestations is, you know, moving to New York and getting a job there, but I said to myself today, like, oh, you know, it wouldn't be the, I'm not going to act like it's the worst thing if I had to go back home and go to Atlanta because my friends and family are there and the industry is booming. So it's like, it, mm. it, it really is just picking one place and then not getting settled there and maybe deciding to go somewhere else once the time is right or once an mm. opportunity presents itself. So That is one thing we are on the same page about. Atlanta mm-hmm. is a transitional space. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be, at least for me, Yeah, yeah. it's like I'm not going to go there. and Because I, I have heard from the people at least pursuing their acting careers. Mm-hmm. They get there and they get very comfortable very quick. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm i not opposed to that. I love right, being right, comfortable. Right. But at the same time, I, I don't know. I just feel like it's a space to go on to a different one for some reason. I don't know. But I think, I think that's just my innate feeling about yeah. living in cities Yeah. because I don't, it's like, especially the idea of living in New York, I feel like a cockroach when I'm in New York. Like I had to be in Central Park or I felt like, it felt so dystopian to me. I'm not going to lie. I and, and I, you know, I get it. People love it. But like when I was there, I was genuinely like, oh my gosh. Like I was... There was a level of fear in me, yeah, like, yeah, the yeah. entire time. How long were you there? Not for very long. It was, right. it was. we went to go see some shows on Broadway mm-hmm. and everything uh, for my high school theater program. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I was, so we saw Central Park. We walked through, like, the the boroughs. Yeah. Is that what they're called? Yeah. Um, and we saw, t- I don't know. <laughs> went to <laughs> Times Square. We it's just funny little... to hear people who know nothing about New York, because I've always been yeah, around people who know boroughs. a bunch. So Caleb was like, I think they're called the boroughs. And that's just like <laughs> such a big term there. You know? I didn't, when I got there, people were saying that in class. They were like, oh, I'm from this boroughs. I was like, what are you guys talking yeah, you about? Learn. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, dude. And so, but I just, I know that I had never been in that sort of uh, environment. environment and the experience mm-hmm. that I had just walking down the street back to our mm-hmm. hotel room. I was offered many different types of drugs. Mm-hmm. I was approached for whatever, you know, it's just mm-hmm. like, and I was just like, I just want to go back to my hotel room right now. And it's, I, I don't have that choice at the moment. Yeah, I got to yeah, keep yeah. walking. <laughs> and, and I'm underneath a building that's under construction, you know. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, I'm yeah. like, I don't know what's going to go. But it's like, so, but other than that, I mean, like, I am very, I'm excited because for me, at least, um, like you said earlier, finding something that you really want to do mm-hmm. and it's just like, you know, you're going to do it. You just have yeah, to set yeah. the time. I can't exactly yeah, remember yeah, what yeah. you said, but I haven't felt that way until we started doing this. Mm. And then I was like, See, oh my gosh. You have to hold on to that. Like, don't, and don't like, cause other people will really, or not, and not even trying to maliciously, but other people will try to take you away from it or be like, oh, maybe not, or maybe not. But if you know, like, I really have started to believe in like your gut or like your intuition so much more now. Dude. And if you feel that kind of thing with this, like I would never, yeah, don't give it up for anything It's else. such like a, I genuinely like a warm, fuzzy yeah. feeling, you know, like when I have conversations like this yeah. and then like. You know, people reach out to me. And they're like, "Hey, by the way, your podcast gives me hope," and I'm like, "That's the whole point." Yeah, that's and the I'm inner so, child, like, you, you feel know, like yes. you're doing what you want to do, and people yes. are like seeing you do it. It's, it's so like, exciting, yeah. and I wonder, do you have those moments when making films, and oh, yeah. like, especially being in the writing program, going mm-hmm. into the—is it a 
production. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then I'm sure working with actors was a whole uh, new perspective. Yeah, and I know that you love working with I actors. I do. I very so much do. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, no. I, um, I'm trying to think about all, like, I've had so many different moments, but, like, I have them. And if I didn't have them, I would stop. I really, and that's the thing when I said, like, because that's what I was saying, is if, like, if you want to do something, you can. Like, and if you don't want to, that's why you fail. Is because you don't actually want to. You're just, you're making yourself, like, and people can do that. We can do that to ourselves. Just make ourselves believe we want to do something we really don't. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, if I didn't, I would leave. Because I don't mind doing, like, you know, and not don't mind. I could be a teacher. I wanted to be a firefighter, seriously, at one point in my life. Like, an EMT. Like, there's different things, like, I've thought about seriously, like, pursuing if I wanted to do them. I never mm-hmm. really wanted to do them. So this is, like, something, like, I want to do this. I couldn't imagine. And, you know, it's costing me money. It's costing me money. It's costing me stress because I get stre- I get so – and, like I said, I get a little obsessive because I'm like, oh, am I learning everything? Is it all coming in and going out? Yeah. And then I'll have moments where I look on, like, you know, at dailies or I'm looking at um, – or we're in the theater where everybody is, like, responding to stuff. Or even just, like, also just, like, myself. If I'm watching my finished thing because I'm trying to pull clips from it or something, I'm like – this is like evidence of what I've learned. Like I and this hits for me. Like even if this whole thing isn't perfect, I know that I learned this and like I'm I'm using it. Like I'm using, you know, and that's really like all of what you can do, I think, when you have these type of art forms that are structured and that people have done before. It's like there's nothing new under the sun. I'm not about to create some yeah. like, you know, some ridiculously wildly like thing that nobody's done, but I'm gonna use like, you know, <laughs> yeah. all of the people I love and like the people next to me and like make something that I can be like Yes. That hit. Mm. That's all. Like, people resonated with that. They related to it. And I, what else am I supposed to be doing besides, like, you know, more than that? Yeah. So, and I felt like that a lot with, um, I'm trying to think of, like, more specifically, but, oh, my weekend project. I really, and that's, like, it's interesting because I think with weekend projects, I don't take them as seriously. And not, like, don't take them as seriously, but I take, like, more pressure off myself. So, mm-hmm. I'm like, let me just learn and let me, like, have play. fun. Yeah, I play. And when I play, it's so much, like, I can tell that I'm just... I'm not thinking so hard, so I'm not making the wrong decisions because I'm not thinking so hard. I'm just letting whatever has come into me from everybody else, you know, inform and come out through that. And so I did, um, we had to, and I'm really into adaptation, so I was really excited to get this weekend project where we adapted, uh, and you were supposed to be in it, and I'm so, I still actually, I'm not even going to lie, I'll be here for a little while after I graduate, I still really want to shoot that scene because I think I could just go in and splice it in and like add it in there, but um, Let's do it. <laughs> I adapted um, Ralph Ellison's Invisible Man, like the prologue to it. Um, and just adapting it was like, oh my God, this is good. Like, this is, you know, this is, I can, I love this. And then when I was um, shooting it, I was like, let me take the pressure off. Like, Justin was acting in it. Um, it was like a couple other people, Katie, Jerry, Pat. Oh, it was Justin David. Banton? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it was him, and then Shari was DPing. I was like, let me just let, you know, the talented people that I've asked to work with me do their thing, I do my thing, and then we leave. And that's it. I don't have to think much harder than that. When I went in and edited, I was like, let me just splice this together based on what I know I want people to feel. And then when we're watching it back, like in class, I'm like, this is fire. And I can say that because, <laughs> like, and, not, and I don't say that about myself all the time because I know that sometimes I, like, drop the ball or I'm, like, trying too hard. I'm trying to be something I'm not, whatever. But in that moment and with that, I was trying to be myself and just trying to tell a story that people were going to feel. And I, even when I watch it, I feel something. And I'm like, if I were to watch this and it was somebody else's, I would feel just as, like, oh, this is, like, this is moving. Like, this is mm. emotional. So, and I was like, I, but it was because I had, like, remembered, like, just the things Antonio had been saying I was watching my classmates, like, you know, and we all get to dissect each other's stuff in class. I was watching their stuff and, like, taking that in, paying more attention to Barry Jenkins and stuff, and, like, people that I respect and just, like, paying attention, like, how did they make me feel like that in that moment? By doing this, by doing that. It's as Mm -hmm. simple as that. Like, if 
it doesn't we make it more complicated but it's as simple as that and so then i just try to do that and like when i'm watching it back i'm like i did that mm. so yeah i have those little and that's when i know i'm like okay they don't come that often though like that's the thing too <laughs> is i realized that too like when you're first learning they're not going to come that often i have to be patient and just let them come when they come and then eventually they'll start to come more often because mm. they didn't come that often for like you know scorsese like all bergman and like um celine scamma like different people who are like seem like they just do it and it's like oh it's perfect every time like they didn't do that at the beginning they had mm. to be patient and wait and i'm a very patient person so now it is teaching me as well like to be patient with what i'm learning and like what comes out of it so yeah, yeah. and it, and i guess specifically with working with actors because mm-hmm. um, we mentioned justin i think he's yes. great so um, good saw him in moon man walk yeah oh that was God. yeah so good he can transform i was like what is happening right now because like, amanda told me they were playing different characters i was like okay I, it's hard for me to go into my disbelief anyway with like theater, and then like you know when people are ch- just, like changing characters, it's all it's like even that much harder for me to disbelieve. But he, they had me like I was like, oh, I'm in this. Like I'm not even recognizing that you're really doing that. So yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. And I guess and on that note, you know, like whenever you have experience like that, like with an actor, and you're trying to tell a story that is so important, mm-hmm. you know, it's already there's a lot of weight to it, mm-hmm. at least from the script that I read, right? Yeah, yeah. And so when you have an actor come in and it's genuinely a new perspective mm-hmm. on the work, how do you juggle that? Do you, how are you, because I know being a director, trying mm-hmm. to direct something, you also have to be not only patient, as you said, mm-hmm. but very collaborative mm-hmm. in how you approach the work. But how do you know that, you know, you have to get this end product. Mm-hmm. There's a script. You're going to follow that mm-hmm. script. But then you have these new perspectives and you have the actor coming in and being like, well, this is my version of the mm-hmm. character. So how do you juggle that? And then we'll probably take a break. <laughs> I think with Antonio and uh, my other professors and then um, honestly Judith Weston too, like reading some of her stuff and listening to podcasts with actors, it's like, you know, I can't really know what's going to work until I see it. And so for me to say, oh, no, I don't want you to do that if you have that idea is kind of like but why would I say that? Like, that's mm. me assuming that I know what's going to work and I don't. I just don't. And it's like, also learning that like I don't know everything like in that regard and every other one like I don't know and sometimes it's like I when you ask me something like about a character it's okay for me to not know because that's what you're here for like it's not for me to know every single thing about this character it gives you like an actor the chance to like know more than me or to know different parts and so that Mm. we're both knowing different things so that we can both like carry the load together because it's an emotional weight of like trying to carry a character like that like if we both need to know exactly what ticks them off and what gets them how they would act like that's a lot and I'm not claiming to be able to do that I'm like this is why because if I could then I would just be in it myself and I think like you know what I mean like that <laughs> yeah. and I can't I cannot so it's like being open to like not knowing and letting other people know and knowing that that doesn't mean because I think there's this egotistical thing that can happen when you're a director where it's like I need to know everything everything needs to be my decision if it's not then I didn't make the movie and it's not my movie but it's like that's just not true it's yeah. just not, and it's like that for the best like like directors you get is they they literally are only the best because of the people who work with them, like their actors mm. and their DPs. They really are like they can't be. Barry Jenkins is nothing without James Laxton and Regina King, and like mm. um you know and Mahershala Ali. Like those people, he would be nothing without like you know without them doing what they do. So being yeah. open, and then I'm trying to get simpler in my direction, just like saying stuff that I know would, um or that I would hope would make them feel. Um, what I think the character is feeling. And if it doesn't work, then I, you know, I do away with. I'm like, okay, that didn't work. Like that, whatever idea I had that I thought that was going to do for you didn't work. And Mm -hmm. then I'm like, so what do you think? And I think asking more questions too, I'm realizing too, is like easier. Mm Because you don't have to, um, because it also means at the same, it's like I get to not know 
but wonder. And so wondering can I, like, just open things up a little bit more. Because I'm seeing all these anecdotes where directors will just come whisper into an actor's ear, like, what if da-da-da-da, and then just move away. Like, it doesn't have to be we sit there and, like, beat it to, you know, and just, like, try to figure it out right then. It's just, like, that might make you think of something, and that's all. That's it. I don't mm-hmm. need to be in your head trying to tell you to think this and feel this and do that. I just need to spark, like, questions for you and make you think about you know, wonder what this character is going through. So I find that way easier because then I don't have to, again, I can get obsessive and start being like, okay, what exactly are you thinking in this beat, in this moment, da 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 It's like, no, like, what are you thinking about this? Or what if your character was like, you know, you know, like... It sounds like you're just relinquishing control. Yes, yes, Relinquishing ego. Yes, yes. And not not going into it with too many expectations. You Mm -hmm. have an idea, but it doesn't have to be subject to change. It's so much Mm -hmm. easier that way. It's so much easier that yeah. way. Well, it's interesting because you have that perspective. You almost have to have that perspective being a director. Mm. But then talking about New York and getting in the writing program, mm-hmm. you're like, no, I got it. I'm doing it. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to do this thing. I think all artists you have know? to have a certain level of, like, uh, you know, confidence or arrogance, but also a but certain level of insecurity. Like, they have it, to balance each other. They have to balance each other out. And yeah. it doesn't have to be ego. Yeah, to uh, be, yeah. It, you can be confident without an ego. Because if you're yeah. not, then it's mm. like, then you'll be letting everybody, that's another, you'll be letting everybody take over at that point. And that's when it's not yours. Because then, and that's when, I think that's when films are bad. You know, not because you didn't do this thing that you could have done and you didn't do this. It's just that you, you didn't have like um, the confidence to have a clear vision and to say this is what I think. With the same balance of being like, you know, I'm a little like, I'm out of my league here. Like, I don't necessarily know. Like that scene with Regina King from um, Beale Street, when she's like, um, because everybody said that's what won her the Oscar, when she's, like, taking the hat off and taking the wig off and trying to figure out how she's going to go um, do this really big thing that her character needs to do, that was all her. But it's, like, Barry still directed the film, you know what I mean? Like, and they had to have conversations, and he had to give her permission to do that. And then he directs other, like, scenes. But that's, mm-hmm. like, it's a way to be, like, you know, you know this more than me. Like, you know what's supposed to happen in the scene more than me. And if it makes the film better, why the hell would I, like, mm. like try to stop it? Like, because mm-hmm. of my you know, desire to control things. And I that's the thing, I don't I don't care to have, like, you know, control over things that, sh- that I shouldn't. Like, if they're not for me to have control over, then I'm not gonna, I don't wanna do that. Yeah, and yeah. you can kind of tell from, sounds like you're really good at kind of telling that from a, maybe a gut perspective. Because yeah. I've read The Artist's Way, too. I kind of need to reread it. I, I do feel too. like I need to I do it again. I definitely do. Um, but I, I, I had very similar, the way you're talking about things is mm-hmm. like, I really think that book gives you a perspective it does. on not only yourself, but, and then you start noticing how other people mm-hmm. respond to things mm-hmm. and react to things. Yeah. And it's, uh, yeah, like there's, there's very much this like intuition that we all have and mm-hmm. it's just about um, kind of turning yourself on to yes. it. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, definitely. I think... I don't. I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. You can tell no, me if no, I'm no, wrong. You, you just like seem like the... you seem like someone who is good at that. No, I try. I mean, I try to. Like, I really do. Like, and um, yeah, I appreciate you saying that because I do try to. Like, because I know. Because I try to do it in my personal life too. Like, if I can't control something, I can't control it. And for me to like try to sit here and like you know make myself miserable or like feel in, like um, unworthy because I can't control it is, is pointless because then I'm just going to be sitting there feeling that and it doesn't help me. And it's like, if I know, you know, this is what I can control, so I'm going to work on that. Mm-hmm. This is what I can't control, I'm going to give that to whoever whoever should control it. And then if we both do that, 
hopefully like you know in a relationship or with like you know in a romantic relationship and relationships with like family friends in school like I can only do so, you know because Florida State still controls like a lot of what we do because they're paying for it and da 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 so I let them control what they control and then I control what I can so I control what I'm writing on the page they control like you know structuring it a bit I I control like who I'm gonna cast they control like you know the days that we have to do something like so I know that this is what I have this is what's been given to me this is what I have control of and now I just have to make sure that they kind of mesh as perfectly as they can I know what the title of this episode is going to be. <laughs> Structure without ego. Yay. Because that's what I'm getting from you this yeah, whole time. Yeah, I think, yeah. Yeah, <sighs> yeah. But I, okay, <laughs> we're going we're gonna to come back and I'm going to bring it up. We're going to take a break real quick. Uh, see you in a second. We'd like to take a second to shout out our monthly patrons. Thank you to Aaron Bachman, Marissa Arnon, Mimi Schultz, Dan Winstrup, Corbin Gulo, and Christina Shan for their continuous support of the podcast. Everything we do on this show couldn't be possible without listeners like you. Consider joining us on Patreon, where for just a dollar a month, you can support the podcast and help us even more in the conversation about Active Hope. Now, back to the episode. Um, before the, we took the break, you yeah. said something I know the title of this episode is going to be Structure with the, Without Ego. Or something. <laughs> um, but at the same time, this is just something I want to talk about i don't know when i heard Uh-oh, it but devil's advocate no but like you said something about it earlier it's mm-hmm. like being an artist there is a level of confidence or whatever or, mm-hmm. and i think that i think we're specifically referring to freud when we say ego mm-hmm. or it's like super ego ego Me and mm-hmm. you talked about this on there's Bobby's different yeah. <laughs> so it's and and but re- yeah so referencing the ego at least itself i think that the ego is something that we can't separate from ourselves mm-hmm. as humans because mm-hmm. i think that the ego is just our level of consciousness mm-hmm. and our innate desire to look out for ourselves mm-hmm. and we want to see ourselves succeed and i think that there are levels of that that is obviously bad like mm-hmm. being an ego person is still a thing but it's like when people say they you know episode two of book of boba fett there was an hallucinogenic lizard that went up his nose and into his brain and he went on essentially what was a dmt trip and yeah. had a ego death i told you i had an ego death uh, last I think yeah and then we talked about it yeah, i was yeah, like yeah. but did you like I know, is yes, your ego dead it. though you know and I was, it is and, not it's alive and i so in my perspective at least is that like those are you know whatever tool you use to achieve that mm-hmm. quote-unquote ego death i think that that ego death is just like awareness of mm-hmm. the fact that we yes. have this thing mm-hmm. and even though it's I, I don't think it's dead but because we're aware of it we can keep it in check mm-hmm. so like it's like now it's been seen so like whereas before it was like doing all the work and we didn't see it now we're seeing it and we're like oh wait a second like like, let's not do that. Yeah, like, calm down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The way I've thought about it is, you know, instead of if your ego is a horse mm-hmm. and you're the person riding the horse, mm-hmm. instead yeah, yeah. of your instead of the horse leading the journey, you're leading the journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Once you and I and I agree with you, ego yeah, death. Yeah. I don't think your your ego can't ever go away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, like, I mean, it can go away and and certain states of consciousness but what i mean is when you come back to being you know whoever you are mm-hmm. there's always you have to be able to if you couldn't identify an i you would go crazy mm-hmm. yeah and um you wouldn't be able to function properly like mm-hmm. you have to take care of yourself mm-hmm. we anyway, all talk to ourselves to a degree oh i talk right. to myself yeah. all day yeah yeah every, <laughs> yeah same. And it's day. totally normal yeah, you know? i'll just be in the car and i'll be like yeah, literally yeah because i've had people <laughs> like <laughs> Are you on the phone with somebody? Are you talking to somebody? I get that all day. All day. 
I'm just like, I've had people come after like having like crazy weekends. They took whatever they took and then they're like, bro, I had an ego death. Mm-hmm. I was like, no way. Tell me about it. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, oh, I'm just, it's gone. <laughs> and then the next person or the next day, it's like, there's still that same person. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not, it, What's it, funny is that the sentence of I had an ego death is oxymoron. Right. Like, I, <laughs> I, I know. And it's, and I think it's very much like I've talked about this before, but there's a difference between. I don't want to sound like I'm sitting here. You and sound like it people. already. Yeah, Sorry. Talk, no, but uh, uh, there is a difference between self awareness and self discipline. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Being aware, like, and going back to the ego thing, like being aware of that thing, mm-hmm. but also incorporating discipline to make sure, like, to keep that. Yeah, in it's check, being able to check unquote, it. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. You know, so I just, I don't know. I touched on that because mm-hmm. he said that, and I was mm-hmm. like. Hmm. <laughs> well, and, and the reason I said that is because, like, you even just said it. You're aware that your ego is there. Mm-hmm. Like, but that's the, that's what ego death is. I agree with you. It's, it's, I think people call it ego death because all of a sudden, whatever experience you have that makes you, like, there's just a feeling that you mm-hmm. get where it's like, oh, my God, what the? Yeah. I don't know how you experienced it, but it's <laughs> yeah. just like, it's like, what? <laughs> you, like, come to life almost in a weird way. Um, I definitely, yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And we sound crazy right now. No, for no, anybody, no, but, but if you know, you know. I'm just telling you, man, I was alive. <laughs> but no, 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 but it's it's really true because all of a sudden, all of, it's like, it's like having your ego control your actions is like, there's like static all around you. Mm-hmm. And then you have something crazy. Ha- and it can happen to you without the use of, of, I mean, I'm a big proponent of meditation. I've talked, and that's the ego coming back into the brain and being like, that's the self-discipline you're talking about. But um, there's like static all around you, and then all of a sudden something happens to you, whether it's a, I don't know, it could be a death in the family. Mm -hmm. It could be a near-death experience. It could be meditating. It could be taking drugs. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, it's like, and then everything becomes really clear, and you're like, Mm -hmm. what the Fuck yeah. it's, it's so strange, man. It's I wish I could explain it in a way that doesn't sound crazy. Yeah. And I mean, do you guys kind of know no, what I, I mean? You know, yeah. I know, yeah, cuz I Yeah. yeah. No, cuz I like um I think it also happens repetitive like it There's different, you know, it yeah. happens over and over and in different ways. Like sometimes it can be a quick release like it just happens, sometimes it's like a slow one. I think I had one at St. John's like over the whole course of the 4 years where I'm just learning like, oh, I'm in control and like I mm. like there are ways that I'm trying to protect myself and there are ways that those 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 protection methods are destructive or like that the way that I you know such and such and then there's times when I trip like I have like shrooms and I'm like oh like like cause I cause yeah there's different ones cause I know the one with the shrooms really was like one that really it did change my life because I was like I all of a sudden like it really really hit me that I was a part of everything else and like not even in like you know just a really simple way that like this whole thing where I'm trying to make myself all bigger than everything else and I'm trying to think like only about me in this huge way is like there are 8 billion people here just right now. And there have been like billions of people here. There are like plants that we act like we're more important than. There are like, there's a whole solar system that we act like we're more important than. There's a God or creator or whoever that we act like we're more important than. And then like that, in that moment is when I realized like, oh, I don't have to be so worried or so anxious or so stressed or so controlling because I'm a part of it all. Mm-hmm. And like at some points, I'm, I'm just not in control of it all. Like I, there are things working that I have no, they're working on me and I have no idea. And that means that it also gives, it gave me relief. Like, I was so relieved after because I was like, oh, yeah, man. I can only do what I can do. And then after mm-hmm. that, whatever happens is because I did what I did and whatever else is in control yeah. did what they did. And that's 
and that's what we're all like up against and yeah. I, I can be okay with that because i did my part like i'm just yeah i'm chilling and you walk out of that experience and there's something i learned in uh, i just finished my minor in religious studies i mm. took critics of religion we have to talk about and that. yeah oh we're about to <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um we discussed a big topic of conversation in that class was sites of intranslatability or untranslatability mm -hmm. one of the two yeah either way it's the opposite of translatable mm -hmm. um <laughs> but mm -hmm. it's basically a religious experience mm -hmm. those are sites of untranslatability yes. and i would liken uh, the experiences that we're yes. talking about to a religious experience yes. because it is something you walk away from and you can't necessarily, just as Ted was really trying to articulate, he was mm -hmm. like, but you guys understand, right? Mm -hmm. And we were like, no, yeah, because we've, we've shared had that. Mystical, I, mystical experiences is what I've also mm -hmm. heard. Yeah, and it's, and again, the connotation between superstition, magic, yeah, yeah, yeah. religion, it just comes down to the connotation that the culture has on that, mm -hmm. on those words those at the time. And, that, like, and, yeah. But they all roughly mean somewhat mm -hmm. of the same thing, yeah. but Going back to these sites of untranslatability, I think is the word that they mm -hmm. used. Um, there would be these instances of, I've spoken about this before, but it's like people would have these experiences and then they would find the truth. Mm -hmm. I realize I'm connected to everything in the yeah. world. I'm not above these other things. And immediately you go and as soon as someone starts writing something down, mm -hmm. <laughs> then it's like, but that's not... Because it immediately puts qualifiers on the experience. Mm -hmm. It's yeah, like, well, yeah. did this happen and did this happen? Did you feel connected to everything? Because mm -hmm. what if someone the, does that yeah. same thing you yeah, did yeah, and they yeah. were like, I just Because we're trying to make sense of that. We're, we're you know? always trying to make sense of things. And like that yeah. right there and translatability is like, it's so against like our, our human nature to like, I have to make sense of this and I have to be able to write it down. I have mm. to be able to articulate it. And everybody has to be able to understand what I wrote and what I'm articulating. It's like... Now yeah. you just have to <laughs> relinquish the there ego. Are, yeah, there are shared experiences and they exist. There can be something like, I really do sometimes see like, you know, have you seen the SpongeBob episode where like, yes. so I see that, I, yeah, like, like <laughs> I feel that so much with people. I think we walk around and we have, because we just have like similar experiences and similar ways of going through life or like things that have happened to us. It's like there exists some like understanding here and like we don't have to talk about it. It doesn't have to be more than like that there's a feeling here and that we both know it's here and that it's bringing us, you know, and into some, the place and space we're in. Some people mm -hmm. would call that soul. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, see, yeah, it's like, yeah. You can see someone's soul. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, I, and like whatever the term they use, and yeah, yeah. it's just emphasizing the fact that it was a positive experience that they had in their mm -hmm. life and it led the, it led to some sort of Realization. level of awareness, mm -hmm. realization, whatever that might be, yeah. you know, it, I don't think your ego died, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, but it's like, of, I mm -hmm. think that, you know, they're learning experiences, but at least taking what we're talking about and going back to what you said before, mm -hmm. um, you said that you have to be okay with whatever you can control, you can control, but whatever you can't control, you can't control. Mm -hmm. And then you said whatever God or creator that might be or whatever, mm -hmm. I brought up religion. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. if you were to describe what your belief might be. <sighs> so interesting. Cause I think about it all the time. I talk to myself all the time, like, um, but, so I grew up Christian and I have said to people before that I think I still like identify with that because I grew up with it. Like I, that's why I really can't shake it. Like it's that type of thing. And I don't mean mm -hmm. that in the sense of like, oh, because I grew up with it, I can't let it go. And so I'm just stuck with it. And I also don't mean it like um, the opposite. Like mm -hmm. I mean it just like that when I'm like 
thinking like I, the same as if I think as if I grew up like Muslim or, or Buddhist or anything else that if I really grew up in it like the way I did then I wouldn't be able to just let it go now mm -hmm. I don't have it like it's not the same as like when I grew up like at all and I think that um it's hard to uh, find a way to like qualify it and to make make it make sense other than saying that I, I try to say I'm a believer just so that it's like you know I believe in a lot of things and a lot of Christian tenets and a lot of mm -hmm. like um you know, Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit. The fruits and, of the Spirit. Yeah, like yeah. different things. Like I believe in a lot of different things, but then me and my brother were just talking about this because we read this book called Reading the Bible from the Margins last year together. And one of my biggest like... Reading the Bible from the Margins. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's a liberation theology book. We were just trying to... Yeah, we talk about we talk about like theology a lot. We talk about the Bible and religion a lot together. It's a cool um, relationship to have. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. That's my that's my guy. It's my twin. We call each other that, even though we're like eight years apart. But <laughs> um, we read that together. And one of my big things that I've been coming to lately, like or after after I've resolved a lot of other issues, like you know queerness and faith, and like you know social justice and faith, and these different things, I've gotten more to the basic things of like I'm just not so sure that. Um, Believing in the Christian God that we talk about is the only way to um, to live or to be or to get salvation or to have like, you know, an afterlife or some kind of life that would be that would be abundant and be like good to you. Like, I'm just not sure of that. And it's because when I you know, when you start to look at things, so many of the tenets that are in Christianity are in other religions or in other beliefs, you know, and that's what that it unsettles me. It's not like I'm saying like, oh, I'm um. I throw my hands up and I'm like, oh, I believe in Christianity, but I also believe in everything else. It's not even like that. It's just that if they all have some, like such similar tenets, it becomes who am I to say, like, you know, you growing up like Muslim or like Buddhist or like, you know, whatever, the same way I did and have these same tenets. Like, who am I to say mine is more right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it gets into the evangelistic parts of it. Like, am I supposed to go out and try to convince everybody to be Christian? And that's what I don't, I don't feel that. But I also don't want to hide that, you know, that I do believe in, like, Christian beliefs and stuff like that. So that's where I'm at. Like, I'm like, because I think love is the most important one. And, like, yeah. it's in every, t yeah. it's in every religion. Like, you know, like, or I would say, not respectable religions, but, like, religions that I think that we all, like. The major religions. Yeah, major religions. And then, like, even, like, agnostic folks or, like, people who are, like, atheists. It's, like, love is still a very, like. Um, driving I hope, like um, hope so. yeah, yeah. I hope so. <laughs> but driving maybe not the nihilists. I'm dead. Yeah, see, yeah, but then that gets into like, you know, if love is yes, love is. I feel like one of the biggest tenets of um, of like that all of them spirituality. Share in yeah, like you know, I've gotten really into Buddhism. I feel like I've said this a bajillion times <laughs> on this podcast, but I have Probably to keep saying have. it. Like I've read about Buddhism, and you know. It, that one, that was, I grew up Jewish mm -hmm. and, you know, Judeo-Christian and even in the Muslim mm -hmm. religions are all very similar. Mm -hmm. Like, like they, they have differences, of course, in traditions, but, you know, they're all rooted back to pretty much the same kind of things. Mm -hmm. um, and so when I read about Buddhism, it was like mind blowing because there are, there's differences, but there are so many similarities mm -hmm. Um, it's just said in a different way. And I, I, it's interesting to me how people kind of rack their brains over these Eastern religions. I mean, I don't know if they do, but, you know, you, you come to a Christian and you, when you say Buddhism, the first thing they think of is like, you know, sitting and... That is so foreign to, what they, to foreign. what they know or what it's like theirs, yeah. And there are huge differences, but like when you really they sit down... They also worshiping the Buddha. Yeah, or something. Right. Like, all these different things. It's right. And when you look at... Buddhism, it's just it's like there's a thing called the Eightfold Path. Mm -hmm. Basically the same thing as the Ten Commandments. Mm -hmm. 
Hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like, not, I know that there's religion majors and theology yeah. people who would be like, no, but what I'm trying to say is, <laughs> yeah. what I'm trying to say is, wrong. Making, them beside they're all there. teaching you mm-hmm. the same thing, to live mm-hmm. virtuously, to not hurt people, yeah. to mm-hmm. do your, you know, do your duty. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's, 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 yeah, it's yeah, so yeah. simple and we all make it very complicated. Mm-hmm. And it sucks when you're a kid and you're, not that it sucks. Religion is a good thing. But what I'm saying is you're, you're born into a religion mm-hmm. and it takes a really long time to, for a lot of people to think about other, yeah, come sometimes people yourself, don't, sometimes like, uh, people don't even think about it. Yeah, and, yeah. and you know what I mean? And I, I wish that was more of a thing. I wish we could yeah. talk about religion, not as like tribal, not separating them, but being mm-hmm. like, here's how we all are similar as religions. Mm-hmm. Doing it right now. Yeah. And as far as like the positive tenets of these religions mm-hmm. that we're talking about, I think that they all kind of stem from just groups of people living together and realizing that murdering people mm-hmm. and unfortunately raping people mm-hmm. and killing people, or I already said that, or but stealing you know, enslaving. stealing people, yeah. all of these different things, like a society can't function that way. So it's like they need these basic laws, mm-hmm. right? It's like, like the first five commandments of the ten are mm-hmm. pretty straightforward. Yeah, it's yeah. like yeah. just be a good person and mm-hmm. obey society's mm-hmm. rules, right? But um, going back to your love being universal, mm-hmm. to quote uh, Ludwig Feuerbach, who's mm-hmm. a religious or th- theologian, someone, a philosopher, um, that I just read in Critics of Religion. But uh, now the quote that I use every time I have this conversation with people is, if God is love, mm-hmm. then love is God. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Feuerbach goes on to say that, um, you know, God sacrificed his divinity Mm -hmm. for his love for us. That's John Mm 3.16. That's, for God so loved the world, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, And so out of love for God, Mm -hmm. we should sacrifice. Like, out of love, we should sacrifice God or whatever. Not saying that it's like, whatever. Mm -hmm. There's still, point being is that, like, that's what I also subscribe to. It's Mm -hmm. like the Mm -hmm. fact that there's love within that. And I watch... My father, who is a pastor, mm-hmm. and just all of my family, honestly, who are ardent believers, mm-hmm. go out and make a difference in people's lives. Mm-hmm. And, you know, really, you know, I've said this before, but like the church in general in the United States, um, churches, mm-hmm. they do a lot as far as outreach goes, as mm-hmm. far as like people getting out of prison, homeless mm-hmm. people, mm-hmm. things like that, where there are addictions and stuff mm-hmm. like that, you know, and there aren't another, there aren't enough governmental programs or government mm-hmm. programs to supplant those church mm-hmm. programs, right? And yes, there's some caveat to that. It's like, well, they're also being converted while they're being, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but all. But at the same time, the basic thing is they found the truth. They mm-hmm. found this love and they want to spread it, right? Um, but to quote Karl Marx, mm-hmm. religion is the opium of the masses, mm-hmm. but the heart of a heartless world going back to love. And it's mm-hmm. just like, yes, religion can be used and has been used to manipulate vast amounts mm-hmm. of people for different reasons, mm-hmm. whether it be... I'm just going to stick with the Crusades because that's the best Western example I can think of. Mm -hmm. But besides that, it's like, that's why I think there are so many unifying things about these world faiths, Mm -hmm. whether it be Buddhism, whether it be Confucianism, Mm -hmm. because it's just, it's more of a philosophy, but it's respect for your father and your elders Mm -hmm. and everything like that. And that's also said in the Bible. So it's like, you have all these different philosophies that come out. And I wonder, because you are still a believer, Mm -hmm. you say that. um, And, but you are also... You said that you had to juggle. Because I'm reconciling, like, um, different... You know, I think everybody has to... 
I think everybody has to reconcile the Bible. Like, even conservative, like, Christians or what have you, like, anything. Like, everybody mm. has to reconcile because there are just, like, natural contradictions and, um, and yeah, contradictions and things that have been written, you know, years ago and, like, by fallible human beings that you have to there's at least one or two passages you're going to have to reconcile either with another one or just with the world that we live in. Mm-hmm. And so it's like that thing. I'm like a Christian. I think <laughs> that would be funny, like a reconciling Christian. So I'm always just reconciling what, you know, what the different verses mean to each other and what they mm. mean to the world out here. Because if you, because, you know, biggest thing obviously is I'm queer. So then it's like now That's what I was gonna say, that, yeah. that changes every, that, that changed my life. Like it was yeah. a really, really big thing where I, because I wasn't, it wasn't like I was in the closet and came out. It was like, you know, because sexuality really is fluid. So I was straight. Like, I was... And then all of a sudden, I wasn't. And so now my whole world is, like, turned upside down because I had never thought about it because it didn't pertain to me. Now it pertains to me. And now I have all these friends. And then and then I think about people who are... Who I'm not like, like trans folks or, like, anybody else who's just, like, now it's, like, how do you do both? And it seems... And I hate doing this because... And I don't because I like to simplify things when we try to make them, like, you know, bigger than they have to be, but... For me, my biggest, like, one of the verses that I've latched on to um, as something to reconcile all the other ones, um, or a lot of other ones, is, I think it's First Peter 4, 8, and it's like, above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. And when I've deconstructed that, I'm like, what does love covers over a multitude of sin mean? Does it mean that, you know, if you love people, then you can make mistakes? Does it mean, um, you know, like, different ways that that can be interpreted? And for me, it comes down to, when it says covers over a multitude of sins, it doesn't mean that it, like, excuses you. It means that love, um, like, a lot of sins are sins because love is not involved in them. That's what I've come to believe. That's what that means. Because, like, if you look at the Ten Commandments or, and not even just those because you have Old Testament versus New Testament people. So, like, you look at the Ten <laughs> Commandments, but then you also look at what Jesus is saying. Yeah. It's yeah. always about love. It's never about, like, I'm telling you not to do this thing for some other reason other than it has to do with love. Because the two greatest commandments are supposed to be, you know, you love God and you love your neighbor. And if you're not loving somebody, it's a sin. Like if, and if, if, and if, and if you're not, um, and if you're loving people and not hurting anybody, that's not a sin. Like that's, that's what I really come down to like, you know, thinking. Cause it's like, when you think about, you can't love somebody, murder them. You can't love somebody, kill them. You can't love somebody or instill from them and rape them. Or you can't love somebody and oppress them. You can't love somebody and all these different things that are in like small ones. Like you can't love somebody and lie to them. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? And you can't, but you also can't say that like loving somebody like, um, you know, equally and respectfully and like mutually is a sin. Like, I just don't think you can, you know, say yeah. that. So that's where I come to that about queer people or about, you know, little things that people find hard to, like, talk about. I think we try to make it this, like, which it still should be, right? Because study is important and theology is important and, like, we should all be going into the nitty-gritty. But, like, once you get away from the nitty-gritty and come back down to simply, it's, like, it's love involved. If it's not, then it's not. It's a sin. Like, that's just that. Again, beautiful. Where it comes I, I, into, like, other, yeah. And that, well, I think that's a similar thing with Buddhism or other religions is, like, when love is not involved, that's when it becomes something that you're advised against doing or like uh, advised to avoid and stuff like that. Again, I think this is coming back to, I always like to try to find these through lines Mm -hmm. in our conversations. And I think this is coming back to ego again, Mm -hmm. because, you know, you talk about like Christianity. I don't remember exactly what you said, but you were talking about, you know, people can use, you said it was used to manipulate like Mm -hmm. masses. and, and, And that's because somebody along the way or an institution along the way decided that, we're going to use 
this religion for our gain. Mm -hmm. They went straight for the ego instead of really heeding the words of what, or they, you know what I mean? And that's hard. And that's hard because Mm -hmm. you can interpret things in, in different ways. And, but what I'm trying to come back to is like, I love what you just said, because Mm -hmm. when you can lay it out to someone like that, I mean, I I personally think it really shows if you give somebody that explanation, it really shows who they are because most people Mm -hmm. would agree with that. I think, but how many people are going to act on that? Because your ego, and sometimes it's not even their fault. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. When I say that, I mean, it it depends on the crime. (laughs) What I'm saying is, though, like, sometimes people just can't, they can't get past the wall. There's Mm -hmm. this wall, and it's like, how are, and I'm not saying I'm perfect either. It's hard as fuck Mm -hmm, all the time mm -hmm. to constantly be with love. But as soon as you, put that out there and it just changes the way you start to do little things and I'm, I'm gonna I want you to say I'm not I'm gonna get off of this monologue no, in a second good. but That's I've been a, talking yeah, I, completely agree. I started this thing called uh, Nikon mm-hmm. which is uh, a Japanese mm-hmm. co- uh, concept and it's actually really recent I learned about it um, on the art of manliness actually there was a podcast about it and uh it's just this really simple your name but a great podcast really really <laughs> simple technique um really simple technique called nikon mm-hmm. spelled n-a-i-k-a-n if anybody wants to look it up mm-hmm. and all it is is you ask yourself three questions what have i received from a person mm-hmm. the world you can get as general or specific as you want mm-hmm. so i could say what have i received from caleb I can list a bunch of things that I've received from mm-hmm. Caleb. It could be friendship. It could be, you know, he, let's just, I mean, hypothetically, like, okay, Caleb bought me a smoothie. <laughs> he gave me a smoothie. You can list all the things. Second question is, what have I given mm-hmm. to Caleb? So then I can start listing the things that I've given to Caleb. Third question is, what difficulties might I, might I have caused Caleb mm-hmm. in the last 24 hours? Mm. And so the purpose of it is to give you this really clear, like not clouded by your, it's just to be like, this is what happened. It's objective. This Mm -hmm. is what he gave you. This is what you gave him. And this is what you might have, this is things you may have done to make it difficult. So then every day you do that, you start to think about like, you you naturally want, you don't want to be in debt. You don't want somebody to have given you more than you've given them. You at least want it to be equal, mm-hmm. if not giving more. So mm-hmm. you just naturally start to think about, what am I doing for my friend? What am I doing for the world? What am I doing for yeah. my parents? And hmm. again, it's just another practice to yeah, be yeah, like, yeah, yeah. what's your ego doing? So I just, I don't know, I feel like that was relevant. I mean, it's so I can think of so many Bible verses, though, that are similar to that. Exactly. About how you can't go to church or go to God before, if you have a problem with your neighbor. Like, there's no way you can come. Or, like, how you can like how you can say you believe in God and you love God and you don't love the person right in front of you and God is somebody you can't see. Like, that's impossible to do. So it's like... Oh, my gosh. Yeah, like, it's impossible. That's yeah, man. really yeah, good. Yeah, that's one of the best... Say, say it again. It's like you can't love God and, like, who you can't see and then love your na- and then not love your neighbor who you, who's right in front right. of you. That's like, there's so no good, way. Because it's like the whole thing, too, with, like... Especially, like, with capitalism and money, like, giving all this money to the church, right, the church. And and I'm not saying that like that, but, you know, there's a lot of, like, corruption or just different places where people don't get to decide where money in the church is going to go to. Like, you give all that money to the church or to God, but you have all these people, like, who you say, oh, they're homeless because it's their fault. But it's like, if you were to do your research, you'd know that's not true. And yeah. that if you're giving to them, you might actually be giving to God because the least of, if you give to the least of, or... 
whatever you've done to the least of my people you've done to me so however you're treating like you know mm. that's like another verse it's like however you're treating like you know the least of the people on the planet that's how you're treating me because that's who I am and that's why God you know sacrificed divinity was to say I'm as human as like the neighbor that you're treating like shit like I'm as human as them like and mm. if you treat them like that you're treating me like that like as much as you might want to say you do all of these other like religious um, um practices practices and, and stuff like that it adds up to nothing when nah, you're yeah. not you're not loving your neighbor and I, and I, I like that because it really really makes people again y- you can you can convince yourself that you're doing good mm-hmm. which and, and that's such a, and there are things hard. there are things that you that people do good but I think I mean there's there's things that are very important and you know like go to a soup just go to yeah. a soup kitchen and like give people food i'm trying to be better about food. that myself i, I want to like, do that yeah because, i'm trying to be way better about you know what that. i mean I talk sometimes talk just giving times, money to, yeah, yeah giving money doesn't make me feel good sometimes because it's not reconciliation I'm, yeah. it's just giving it's just throwing help stuff. Yeah, yeah the problem instead of being active and like making sure that we don't have to keep doing that or like that exactly. it happens way less than it does yes. now um and i have a question for you mm-hmm. um after i say you know going to that whole giving home a houseless person money mm-hmm. um, and it not really feeling the same way. I mm-hmm. went to Publix yesterday mm-hmm. and I looked over my driver's side mm-hmm. or my passenger side and I saw that I had a box mm-hmm. with like chocolate Nature Valley bars, mm-hmm. right? And they, it had been in there. It's not like they were bad, but mm-hmm. it had been in there for a week and I genuinely considered, I was like, I'm not going to eat those. I want to mm-hmm. toss them. Yeah. On my way out of Publix, houseless person sitting on the corner of the street mm-hmm. just like hungry, anything helps. Yeah. And I was literally just like, it's so easy Kayla, literally, to just give the thing that I was going to throw away in the first place. Literally, it's, it's literally another person's trash is their, their treasure, you know? And, and that's like, why God uh, gives you, like, those those kinds of, like, trash because you can give it to somebody. I told Amanda, like, last week I went to Target, right? And I just got my refund dropped, you know, whatever. Like, I try, whenever that happens, I try to spend it on stuff I know I'm going to need because I'm not going to have the money later. I'm like, my AirPods, I've had them since 2017. They're starting to, like, you know, die on me. And for me, they're not a luxury. Like, I, they provide comfort for, like, a lot of different situations where I want to be alone. I was like, okay, I'm going to get some AirPods. Even though I was feeling a little off about buying them, like, but mine are still working. So maybe I should just wait until they completely don't work. So I go to Target. Target, I get there, no AirPods. I was like, um, but then there's this guy outside and he was like, um, just waiting out there and I knew it was coming when I was out there. He's like, I thought it was going to be like, can I get some money? He's like, you know, I just had surgery. My mom just had surgery. I just need some like some trash bags some toilet paper and some bleach to go clean her house up. That's all I need. And like I went, but I was, I was going to Target with the intent of buying my AirPods. My AirPods aren't there, but this man is. And it's like, that was very, for me, it's like those, um, uh, untranslatable like experiences where I'm like that happened for a re like there's no way like yeah. that this guy and not just asking me for money you know what I mean like asking me specifically like he's like I need these things and then when I come out he's like thank you and rides his bike and goes back to his mom's house to go clean his mom's house and it's like mm-hmm. that didn't feel like so good because I want to do things that can be more like reconciliation like long term but it felt like I was supposed to do that like in that moment he just needed somebody to give him some trash bags and some like and some bleach and some toilet paper and that was mm-hmm. it and he got it and I was there to do it and then I went about my day but yeah. I wouldn't have went there if I wasn't going there for like and not the ego but like for my own little personal thing that I didn't necessarily need right in that moment as much as he needed the things that he yeah. needed when he was in that moment I just wanted a sandwich when that's, I went to public. see and that's the thing you go there wanting like and that's the thing you like control what you can you're used how you can like you go do what you have to do and you let like opportunities like that come to you and just do you think about other people instead of yourself for a second that's beautiful yeah um okay well then this beautifully leads to the next question okay what brings you hope in the world (sighs) (laughs) i love it every time (laughs) it's the same reaction every time (laughs) oh my god 
because I want to be concise. I don't want to like. Uh, I'm trying to think. Oh yeah, give it some thought. Um. We'll play some Jeopardy music here. Too bad. <laughs> I think love and art. I honestly yeah. do. Like those are I think because I'm because I'm if I'm thinking about the question, I'm like, what has made me keep going? Because there are a lot of times where mm-hmm. I'm like. I could really just go run away where nobody would know my name and I could just be a recluse and not do anything and or you know or the worst of it which is kill myself or like and not be here type of thing it's like what has kept me here and it's like love like when you have little experiences where it's like there's a little bit of love shown like between us or a lot of love shown between us and then art like they it really does because I'm like whenever anybody puts something out that I relate to I'm like somebody across the world feels exactly like how I feel there's no there's no um that's not a little thing. Like, mm-hmm. that somebody feels exactly how I feel. Or that somebody, you know, thought about something, you know, and I had never thought about it. And now I think about it all the time, and now it means something to me. Like, those aren't mm-hmm. little things to me. So that's, like, I, that's why, and I, like, yeah, I watch a lot of TV, read a lot of books, watch a lo- listen to a lot of music. When I hear certain notes, I'm like, this just literally touched me. Like, it just got into me. And, like, that. that's not for no reason. Like, it's not some little thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Teddy? Well... What do you do every day or regularly enough that you feel brings hope into the world? But something that you do? Hmm. Active hope. <laughs> Let me think. I try to talk to my people, I think. Like, I try to be, um, yeah, when I can. Because I think also, like, there are moments where I've had to calm that down because I get a little too, like, um forget myself and like so that I'm always thinking about other people but as much as I can like I find that like and I accept it I guess I'll say that too is that I accept it I find that I'm a safe space for people even when they're strangers people come up to me and like just start unloading their lives on me and I'm like people must do that for a reason like I must be I must look like some kind of safe space or I must like give like oh I'll talk to Kanisa about this and I try to do that I try to just listen to people and give them like um a place to be vulnerable and be themselves because I think that we talk about it all the time and make it seem like we can but this place is not very easy like to be vulnerable in and to just cry and to be and to tell strangers like your business we all assume oh I shouldn't tell you that because I don't know you or oh I shouldn't cry because I don't know you but it's like if you need to cry or if you're if you're feeling like the world is falling down then that's how you feel Mm -hmm. and so I tried like I try as much as I can to do that for the people I specifically know but then also for if strangers or new people I'm meeting like feel that way about me I'm like, okay, I need to be there. Because you obviously, like, you you needed me or you needed somebody and, like, here I am. So I try to mm-hmm. do that as much as I can, yeah. That's nice. That was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's going to wrap it up for today. Oh, I have class so in 20 minutes. Oh, my but goodness. Thank you man. for so so much for coming no, on. No, thank you guys for having yeah. me. I'm so excited. We this is I always want to say this has been a long time to make it because we've been rescheduling <laughs> this because of, yeah. of me because of, of busy things and different yeah. stuff like that. Oh, yeah. So I'm excited we finally yeah. got to do this. Really yeah. nice. Thank And you genuinely not only challenged but shifted my perspective. You made me think, You guys make me, and that's, I love that though. It's my favorite yeah. thing to do. If I could sit around and talk to people all day like this, I would. Like, I, it's my favorite thing. Sorry, it's only an hour and 17 minutes. No, my do bad. what you have to do. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, especially, it, what was the verse that love covers? Above all, uh, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. First Peter, Peter four eight. If I if I I feel like whenever I do that and like say which verse, I'm like, oh, let me let, let me be right because if I'm not, then it's like the because I used to love how my grandma and mom could always say verses and just know where it's from. I think that's where it, I'm pretty sure it's First Peter four eight. But mm. if you type that in, it should come up as well. Like the okay. verse should come up. And I love how you used 
my Feuerbach quote, and you kind of turned it around, and you were like, God sacrificed his divinity mm-hmm. to show his humanity. And I was like, damn, <laughs> that was good. <laughs> no, no, Caleb's going to take that. that one and put it in his pocket. And <laughs> do what you have to do. Yeah. Do what you have to do. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll reference you, though. No, do what you have to do. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be humbly, like, uh, what do you call it, uh, grateful. So do what you have to do. Seriously, though, this has been awesome. Yes, it's been very cute. And for everyone listening, hopefully you found some hope today. Yes. Thanks for listening to The Only Constant. We hope today's episode made you feel a little more hopeful or changed your perspective in some way. If you want to keep up with the show, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Only Constant Podcast or check us out at OnlyConstantPodcast.com. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leaving a rating or review for the show helps us immensely. And we'd appreciate the feedback. None of this would be possible without you, the listener. Thanks for all your support, and we'll see you next time. Stay open, stay active, and keep listening.